Welcome back to Changing Phases Podcast. I am your host, Aaron. And I am Nikki. <laughs> you already know what the vibes are. I know we've been gone for a minute, but we back. So thank you guys for tuning in to last week's episode. Uh, hopefully, we're looking forward to rolling out a couple more. But today, we're going to get into a real, real deep discussion. Nikki, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about y'all men folk. Mm-hmm. What about it? What about it? Masculinity and manhood and the pressures that y'all face in this cold, cold world. All right, she's being real dramatic here, but <laughs> but I I think this is a great topic to discuss, especially um, for me. I felt that it was something we should discuss because I just recently turned thirty, and I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis and trying to figure out what I need to do and what I need to get situated as a man myself. But I'm interested to know, Nikki. I'm gonna ask mm-hmm. you a question, and. I, you know, what do you, or how should I rephrase this? I should say, what is your definition of being a man? Um, a man is somebody who takes care of their responsibilities. Somebody who is um, very confident in who they are, very rooted and grounded in their faith and spirituality. Um, just somebody who has it together even when they don't have it together. Like they, the things that they know they need to work on, they are open to work on them. And, you know, just somebody who is, I don't know the word, just a a man to me is just like amazing. Like somebody who is quick on their toes, they can do literally any and everything. It makes me think of my daddy. So if I had like the textbook person for who a man is, it's definitely Chuck Ruffin. <laughs> so um, if, if you were able to look it up in the dictionary and they had a picture associated with a man, it would be your pops. It would be my daddy. Yes, it would. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. What about you? So I took a little bit of a different route for me as opposed to like when I think about being a man. I agree with a lot of things you said for sure. Um, but I think about a couple of P's. So I think about provider, mm-hmm. uh, protector. Mm-hmm. And I also think about someone that kind of just balances everything out. So it, and it might not be, I don't, it depends on how you view it, right? As a right. positive or a negative, or maybe just kind of just in the middle. But I think a man is someone that, you know, just handles things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever is going on, he may not, you know, he has a stoic approach to it in the sense of he may be handling or juggling a bunch of things, but he kind of goes in it with the same kind of approach and face. So he's yeah. not necessarily he's supposed to be level headed. Right. He's supposed right. to be able to be able to be a leader and manage everything that comes to him as far as responsibilities and do it without you know necessarily breaking a sweat or letting you or letting folks know. That yeah. they have broken the sweat. Does that, that make sense in some type yes, of fashion? Yes, it does. Honestly, it does. Um, so I guess my question to you is, like, you know, since you just turned 30, you know what I'm saying? What pressure have you felt to be a man or live up to the standards of what we just talked about? Like, 
has there been any pressure like as a child like you know because i know you have a sister and obviously you're like mm-hmm. your mom has there been pressure to like protect them or like provide for them in any way and like as a man do you oh well i got it's a two-part question so i guess you can answer that part first and then i'll have a second question for you a follow-up okay so to answer that first question i feel like when i was younger so i grew up uh, my parents were divorced so my dad's been in my life but they lived in two different places for a majority of my life. So yeah. that's kind of a, a little bit what goes into, the, I guess, my point of view and that aspect of it. But mm-hmm. I grew up in a house with three other women. So it was my grandmother, my mother, and my sister. Mm-hmm. And everybody was older than me. My sister was two years older than me. And obviously my my parent, my mom and my grandmother were older. And a lot of the things that were instilled in me um, were as far as being a provider and protector kind of started at a young age. And granted, I wasn't, you know, working <laughs> at, at yeah. like a convenience store or anything like that when I was a young kid. But some of the things I thought about a lot and when I think about being a man is like how you manage your money and being a provider kind of ties into making money and all that good stuff. So right. at an early age, like my mom used to make fun of me because I used to save any money I got. So like whether it was gift, <laughs> um, birthdays, Christmas, whatever the holiday was, I never spent money or I rarely spent the money that I received. I always saved it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you don't want to get anything. And I used to think about sometimes that my mom would you know, struggle some weeks or some days to put food on the table or um, every so often because I would save up, I would think like, dang, I know my mom wanted to do this or she wanted to go here. Like, I know I have tuition to pay for, for school. Um, I didn't know how much all this stuff costs, but I knew that let me save money just in case. And that was always my mentality. So mm-hmm. when my mom, like, you know, and I'm not even, I felt I was proud because my mom sometimes would borrow money from me at like <laughs> right. you know, a 10, 11 years old, because I used to just save. I had cash on me. Okay. <laughs> like, I had stack. I, I maybe had like a stack, but like <laughs> I had money saved. Um, so for me, when I think about you know the pressures, for me, it kind of ties back to being a provider and having money, and you know always being you know good in that sense. So yeah, when I'm as I'm turning thirty, that's one of the things I'm thinking about too. Because granted, right now, like I'm the only person I really have to take care of. Like I have mm-hmm. a you know I have my bills and I have my loans and all that good stuff, but. Mm-hmm. I don't have any responsibilities to other people per se. Um, So if I want to prepare myself to, you know, if I want to be in a relationship or if I wanted to have kids or start a family, I think about these things and it's like, all right, well, I don't want to ever be in a situation where I want to take those steps and not be financially equipped to take those steps. Like anybody could fall in love. Anybody could, you know, meet someone and you know like them and date them and all that good stuff but as you're getting serious there's a lot more things that go into building and fortifying a relationship or a marriage or whatever the case is and Absolutely. i know like in a perfect world it's like you know it doesn't matter like we'll make it together blah 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 right. but at the end of the day i don't want to be the the broke partner or <laughs> Trust me, partner that, that's eating off my other partner so i always want to be good not just for me but mm-hmm. if we're in this together, I want to be able to be good for all of us. So yeah. that's my mindset when it comes to 
like finances. And then obviously being a man, I think that's part of it, managing your finances, man, managing your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it may be archaic in that, right? But my mindset is always to be responsible for you and your partner if you're going right. into such kind of relationship or anything like that. So that's, I mean, that's part of it. And I think yeah. being a man too is just like, some like I, I, you know me, I'm an overthinker. Really? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I process a lot of different things. And there could be a ton of things that are happening. And you know that because you're my best friend. So of course right. you're going to know what's going on with me. But there's a lot of things I don't tell a lot of people just because what's the point in the sense of, it's like, cool, like, you could be sad, you could be upset about something, you could be mad, mm-hmm. but, like, ultimately, like, okay, what you gonna do now? Right. So that's what always been, <laughs> and, like, as a man, that's always been my thing, where it's, like, not necessarily that you can't show emotion, mm-hmm. but I think it's, you give yourself a, a period to let out your grievances, to let your expressions, your feelings go, mm-hmm. and then after that period's done, it's like, all right, let's get back to work, let's figure out how we're gonna improve our situation. So that's always the... Right. I feel like that's part of the maturation of a man is like how to keep in check his feelings and his mm-hmm. emotions and find out how to twist them to use them in a positive way to benefit themselves. I feel that. Do you think that your view on that is what is the same view as the masses? Or do you think that that is, you think your opinion of that is foreign? You get what I'm saying? Like, is it is it just you or do you think a lot of people share those same sentiments? So I think it's I think it's a combination. I think there are some I think for the for the majority, I think a lot of people share the same sentiments for mm-hmm. sure. I think where we may like where I may differ from other people is, you know, it's not that I don't think that, you know, my partner or whoever I'm I'm dealing with shouldn't have their own stuff or be able to provide for them here and there. It should be a balance to some extent. Right. Mm -hmm. But my mindset is always thinking about the worst, like, and and (laughs) it might not be, (laughs) it might not be the, the healthiest or the best, but the way I look at it is if I lost my job today, Mm -hmm. would we be good for extended period of time? If it, you know, if I needed to find another job or whatever the kid, like situation did, yeah. if my apartment burned down or mm-hmm. like literally these things, like if something like stock market went crazy and we lost all our state, like would I be able to make it through? And that's always mm-hmm. been my mindset when it comes to just money and finances. So that's, I don't think it's like archaic, but I think a lot of people don't like, at least early on, don't realize, you know, or think that way. They're kind of worried for themselves, thinking about themselves. But then when you get older, you start to think about, like, you start to really get into the weeds with bills yeah. <laughs> and things of that nature. No, and then cool. everything else kind of comes into fruition. And you're like, oh, dang, like, I didn't know I had to think about these things. And then, you know, a lot of people, too, I think from similar to my background, we weren't educated on these things early on. So mm-hmm. we're learning along the way. Mm-hmm. So. I think for a lot of men, it's like they may have this idea, but they don't know necessarily how to approach it or how to actually carry it out. It's interesting. it's interesting that you say that because like during this visit home, um, it's like, you know how you get older and you start to see your parents as humans, not like 
these mythical creatures that just know how to figure things out and are, you know, res- born responsible and things like that. Absolutely. And like, I think, especially in my thirties, I've learned to give my parents a lot more grace because I realized like they, when they had me and my sister were just trying to figure it out. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way about your parents. Like, you know, you realize as an adult, you never get to this point where it's like, I've got it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's constantly figuring things out in different ways. So I guess like my next question is what, um, your father in particular, again, this is another two part question. Your father in particular, because he was present in your life, how much influence do you think he has had on the man that you are today and the man you will be? And how do you think for those who don't have fathers that were present in their lives, how it'll impact them and the man that they become? Ooh, you said we're going to get deep. I'm going to get deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you wasn't playing. Um, no, I wasn't playing. And uh, the reason I asked is because, like, as a woman, I have my opinions, but y'all are just wired so differently. Like, I can say the influence that my mom has had on me on being a woman and my dad being in my life has had on me being a woman, but men, y'all are a special breed. Let me just start th- stuck there but I just want to hear from a man's perspective like because you've had an active father in your life what that what you feel like that um impact has been and for those and I know like you probably have like friends just like I have friends who have not had a father present and what do you think the impact of that is I think for one and I I don't want this to come off of any way but I think you can't replace, you know, the father in someone's life and you mm-hmm. can't replace the mother in someone's life. And yeah. shout out to the single parents out here who yes. are raising their kids and handling yes. business and in some ways doing dual roles as I don't, I don't see how they do it. Right. But I think there's I don't know what that ingredient or that element is, but having a a full family household, mm-hmm. I believe adds a different dimension or it provides something different. And I mean, when I say a full family household, I mean two equally um, supportive, um, good parents, you know, Mm -hmm. take care of their business. So I think there's no way that you can replace, you know, the man or the woman in your life or, you know, whatever the case may be, just a two parent household. Right. I think you need to have both parents in the household. Yeah. Um, With that being said, I think, with my father, even though my parents divorced, my dad was very active in my mm-hmm. life. But one of the things that I realized, and it was probably later on, maybe most recently, last couple of years, I would say, my dad, one thing that I would say he prepared me on was, you know, mannerisms, how to treat people, mm-hmm. um, how to, you know, handle your business, how to take care of your money. Yeah. In those regards, he was great. I believe, you know, he taught me a lot of things I need to know about how to present myself and, and you know, what, what truly embodies a man in that facet, right? Yeah. But I think where I didn't receive that, and I don't know what I would say the reason why is because of that. Maybe it's because of his upbringing or mm-hmm. his background, but I think the one thing that took me a while to really kind of come into my own was really being in touch with my feelings and mm-hmm. knowing how to handle my emotions. I think 
there was a part of me that needed a little bit of guidance in that sense from a, a masculine yeah. perspective. And mm-hmm. I felt that in my life, I kind of looked for that in other men. So like my uncles or um, some of my mentors when I was growing up and things of that nature, I always look for that kind of um, father figure type to kind of provide some insight on that because I was, I was an emotional kid and still emotional mm-hmm. now, but I know. didn't know we how know. <laughs> and I didn't know how to process the different feelings without feeling that I was being, um, you know, less than a man. Right. So yes. a lot of times, you know, the, the old masculine, masculine kind of perspective is, you know, tough guy, you know, you know, extremely like a fighter, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But I felt like I didn't know when, if I was upset, how to be like, okay, be upset. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know if that was a good, if I could be upset or be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older, obviously having to learn that on my own by trial and error wasn't yeah. always the, the best way, but it was the only way I knew how to learn those things. So I think not having my father in certain aspects, I wasn't able to mature in the way I would deem effective or as, you know, efficient, mm-hmm. without lack of better word to use. But I think because of those experiences, you know, I am who I am now, but I think he gave me a good foundation to kind of start with. Right. When I think about folks that don't have their father in their life, I also think that, you know, some ways I don't know how it manifests itself and I'm I'm not a psychologist. I don't, I don't not have a background in this, but I think having that, like that father figure provides some, a, a different type of discipline. And, mm-hmm. and it really kind of, you get to learn and you kind of see yourself in somebody else. And when you don't have that figure to kind of look up to, like, I think a lot of people's first role models, you know, maybe not on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, is their father, because that's the first person they see. That's the person like, they live with, the person right. they get to know. And they're the ones that set example for what, you know, they, what you're, what you want to be or what you're going to see at least yeah. early on in your life. So I think for not having that figure, oftentimes you don't necessarily have someone to look up to and, uh, you know, model how you want to be in life. So then you oftentimes look for somebody else and Mm -hmm. sometimes it works out. You may meet someone that could be a a father figure or a mentor and they end up, you know, stepping in and filling that role in a positive Mm -hmm. way. But then a lot of times what I think happens is they find other mentors and other people that may not be the most positive. And oftentimes that would kind of shapes their life and maybe leads them on a certain path. So that's why I think, you know, I think a lot of people do need, you know, two parent household just because it's a different dynamic that only, at least as a man, you can only relate to, to another man. Right. So my next question, I feel like I, I feel like Oprah, like my next question, (laughs) Uh, and it kind of goes along with what you were saying, like how you were never really taught to deal with emotions and things and like I know generationally the the generations before us were they went through a lot like if you think about like our parents generation like those are the they were alive when civil rights and things like that was going on and MLK and like all this craziness that we hear about and I mean granted we're going through our own little you know version of history that's crazy but like they saw it originally you get what I'm saying so mm-hmm. their I think their aspect of parenting was a little bit different because they realized like we're gonna have to raise our kids to be tough right. like 
unfortunately, like black people, we don't have the luxury of softness all the time. Right. And um, and it and it this is kind of leading me into my next question. So I sent you a, a post from Kier Gaines. Um, if y'all don't follow Kier and them it on uh Instagram, they it's a family. Uh Kier, he's a young guy, I think they live in DC, but he had made a post the other day that said, let's continue to love up on our boys. Far better chance that they'll grow into men that greet their wounded inner child with empathy over neglect. And he signed it from a loved up on boy. And in the comments, I was just reading about how all these sons are, all these men are like, I don't care how old my son is. When I see him, I greet him with a hug and a kiss on the forehead. And I want him to know that it's okay. And like guys are, saying on here, like, you know, I, I teach my son that it's okay to cry and things like that. And then it leads me to um, Wale, a while back when he did the Red Table Talk, was saying that he wasn't brought up in a very affectionate house. Mm-hmm. And I want to know your opinion on affection towards sons and how that shapes them into the men that they are. Like, was your father affectionate with you? And if he was or wasn't, like, what do you think, why do you think, I guess, what can I say? How do you think that that has impacted how you are affectionate with others? And if you have a, a Aaron Woods, the, the fifth, um, do you think you will be affectionate <laughs> to uh, to him? And another two-part question, but I'll ask the second one later. Let me make a note on my phone because I don't want to forget it. Yeah. Um, so I think... So first off, my dad was not affectionate to me mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was growing up. And I think, and I can't speak for everyone's parents, but I think my my generation, those folks that, you know, grew up in their time, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, you know, I don't know if it was like put on them or stressed on them to be affectionate um, mm-hmm. or they received affection. So obviously you see it's like a cycle. Um, that kind of yeah. gets passed down. And I feel like with my dad, you know, just to give you background, my dad, he's, you know, a little over 70. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he grew up right in the midst of, you know, civil unrest within our country. He right. fought in Vietnam War. Um, he doesn't wow. speak of things of, that he's seen in his life to this mm-hmm. day. Um, and, you know, he has his, you know, goes to the VA, does what he has to do. But, he, you know, I don't, I, I never, you know, we've never had conversations like, you know, what happened in Vietnam. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if before this, what kind of man he was, like, was he an affectionate man mm-hmm. before he went to war? Like yeah. when he came back, like, I'm sure that shaped him or changed him in some way. And mm-hmm. then, you know, not to mention he, he was uh, married before my mother and he okay. has a, another son. So I have a, um, what is it? What is it you call a half son brother? outside? Yeah, half brother. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got one of those. So <laughs> my, my daddy got a son, and I, I guess I'm related to him. So uh, what was his name? Uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> so I don't know how you know their relationship was. I, I, there's a lot of things I don't know about my dad still, which is you know it is what it is, and I don't think I need to force that. But I think for you know not having received that affection from him i think mm-hmm. it's it's like a it's a slippery slope and i don't know if there's a, a right or wrong way i think 
you'll do better for sure by showing somebody love, support, and affection, even yeah. from a man to another man. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, the idea is that you don't want to be, I think the difference here is just because you're, you're a father and you're showing love and support and affection towards your son doesn't mean that's going to make him soft. And, right. and I think that's the difference between that and coddling your kids. Like mm-hmm. there's one thing to, you know, be affectionate and to support your, your son, your daughter, um, mm-hmm. and to, you know, be able to be in their life and be active participants in their life. And then there's yeah. another thing where you coddle them and you kind of cripple them where you don't allow them to mature and grow on their own. So right. I think there's a difference. And I think that's where the confusion lies sometimes when people say affectionate, they think that by being affectionate, they're crippling or they're, you know, softening their child and, you know, not per not preparing them for the realities of life. Now, granted, of course, like I think your parents are supposed to like your home's supposed to be a shelter, your parents supposed to be a shelter. Mm-hmm. You know, there is going to be some type of refuge that, you know, the real world, you know, you you can only prepare your child so much for the real world and they're going to encounter things that they aren't necessarily, you know, fully equipped for. Right. But I think there's a way to support them and allow them to figure that out and to grow on their own because part of it's like you have to allow them to do that, right? Yeah. You can't just allow them to, you know, be sheltered, but you can still show them love and support and affection. And mm-hmm. I think what that does is when they get older, they could, you know, they might tackle some things. They might, you know, stumble a bit here and there. But when it comes to relationships and their emotional development, they're going to be light years ahead of their counterparts or, you know, folks that they know because they were taught how to, they were shown love and affection. Mm-hmm. So now they know how to show that to someone else. And right. I think for me, because I didn't receive that from my dad, it took me a while to learn how to show love and affection to my mm-hmm. partner. Yeah. And it, it's not easy because in my mind, what my dad was doing, I consider that love and affection and it wasn't. Right. And so when, right. I'm, when I'm doing it to other people, I'm thinking, yo, like I did this, like this is my way of showing love to you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that person may have experienced love differently too, or they may have actually had love and affection from their parents. So mm-hmm. for them, that looks a lot different. So that's like a another can of worms. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because like it goes into the whole love language thing too. But I think if we are all taught, you know, how to love and be affectionate, then we'll be able to be better to do that to others. Right. So one thing that you said stuck out and it actually kind of goes into my part B of this question is you were saying like some people are afraid that if they show their son affection, that he will end up being soft. And what I want us as the black community to do is to rid this soft versus hard mentality when it comes to men, because honestly, and I'm guilty of it too. So I'm not trying to make it seem like it's all one-sided. I've, I've, I've literally said these words myself before, but there's nothing wrong with a man being soft. Everybody is different. And I think I said this on the live the other day. I think the the sooner that we embrace people's differences instead of making them feel bad for being different than we are or handling things different than we are, I think the better off we'll be. But everybody's not meant to be tough. Everybody's not meant to be hard or mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like everybody Mm -hmm. is not that way. And I just don't understand like why we as a people feel like, you know, you have to be a certain way or you may be like, they may be quote unquote soft, 
but they may be really, really good in other areas. You get what I'm saying? Like everybody's mm-hmm. not like, and I feel like that's where this whole like toxic masculinity comes in where it's like, mm-hmm. you're a black man. You have to be, you have to be strong. You have to be big. You have to be tough. You have to, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You can't play no games. So I guess um, my question for this is what ways could, in your opinion, could mm-hmm. we kind of remedy this, uh, the the toxic masculinity of black men and the pressure for that? Mm. It's tough, man. I, I honestly, and hearing you ask me that question and kind of walking through it, part of it, like for me, it even, I was thinking to, my, to myself that there's certain parts of it that I still can't shake. Like mm-hmm. some of that toxic masculinity of as far as being tough, like in your mind, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I hear you because mm-hmm. I think I've gotten better with managing my emotions and being able to express my feelings. But right. another side of me is still telling me that like, I could do that, but to a certain extent. Yep. Because yep. if I do too much of that now, I've gone overboard. Now I'm not being a man. Right. And I don't know you know, what the remedy is to, to fix that or to solve that issue. I think you just, I think part of it is, you know, ingraining stuff early on um, Mm -hmm. in someone's life in their childhood, because I think a lot of the things, you know, that we learn early on are reflective in our actions as adults. So I think that's, you have to raise your kids, your son, in uh, an environment where you allow them to express themselves and you allow them to manage their, find their emotions, manage their emotions, express them, but teach them how to express them in healthy, productive ways. So- okay. Okay. So transition into a next little topic that still falls under this umbrella is the value of a man. Okay. Mm. So I had sent you this thing from uh, my good brother, Terrence Truitt. He's actually your good brother, too. He is your fraternity brother. Uh, mm. Shout out to Terrence Truitt. What up? What up, Tay Um, <laughs> But he had put something on Facebook the other day that said, the value of a man is not measured by what he does for himself to make his life easier, but measured by what he does for others to make their lives easier. And I want to know your opinion of that. And yeah, let's just start with your opinion on that. Mm. I agree like ninety ninety <laughs> percent. Well, wait, before you answer, before you get into it, do you agree with the statement or do you agree that that's what society has formed Ooh, manhood uh, into? Right. Yeah. So I think. I like to say that society has formed that opinion of what manhood should be. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens when society, you know, starts to actually date and get involved with a man, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they realize (laughs) that they need the man to also be able to provide for himself. What you can in society is women. (laughs) Go ahead and call a spade a spade. You're saying this is what we have invented. <laughs> no, so I think, and let me clean that up because that sounds very bad. <laughs> that, that sounds bad. But what I mean to say is that I think 
um women they they want somebody like obviously they, they look for you know kind of i want to say archaic but they look for the provider protector man and th- you know that's what defines a man and that's what gives a value to a man is what can this man do for me or how he can enhance my life but i think mm-hmm. your partner should be able to do that regardless like i think that that's just kind of a prerequisite like your partner shouldn't should be elevating you they shouldn't be an anchor and bring you down but i agree with that being said like that's not all a man is supposed to be like there's all there's more value in a man not just to what they can do for you but also like what have they done for themselves and right. where they are so that's what, all i'm i was trying to say here is that i think you know uh, i heard someone say one time that or I, actually i see a couple women on on like twitter and stuff will say I want a man that's a finished product. Like I don't want a pro- like I don't want a project. Like I want somebody that's already good, knows where he's at, and like all together. Let the and, church say a man. <laughs> so like it sounds good that he could do all this stuff for you and provide, but what about his emotional? What about his um affection? Is he able to show his emotions, his feelings? Is he able to express himself in a way that's constructive? and mm-hmm. all these things because a lot of times it's like all right you signed up for the dude that could buy you and he could take care of you and that right but then you can't have a conversation with him or you can't have uh your desired intimacy with this man because well, hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I think what my uh sisterins were referring to when we say we want a, a we don't want a project um, in the same way that you don't want a project chick. No, I'm just kidding. You don't want, when I say I don't want a project of a man, I want you to meet me in a sense almost where I am. Like what y'all, you may not be able to relate with this, but from a woman's perspective, the guys that I deal with come to you sometimes so segmented that it's like, brother, what? What do you have going for yourself? And it's beyond, I don't care about nobody funding me for anything. Like, go ahead. If you want to, you know what I'm saying, make my life a little easier in that regard, I'm all right with that. When I say I don't want a project, these dudes will come to you and they're missing something. So they might have a job, but they ain't got a car. They might got a car, but they ain't got a place to stay. If they got a place to stay, they mattress on the floor. If they, You know what I'm saying? Like, and no disrespect. Uh, let me let me preface by saying no disrespect to that. But I'm just saying your priorities should have to be in a certain place when you are trying to pursue somebody. Like, get you together first. And then, you know what I'm saying? It's like the airplane. Like, you got to get your mask on before you can help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want somebody coming to me to put my mask on and they ain't they mask ain't on so it ain't just about money when it comes to not wanting a quote-unquote project but sometimes and then also like these guys will come to you emotionally just illiterate there is nothing like a, a an emotionally intelligent person so it's not again i don't want you to think it's just about the providing portion when we don't want a project we want you to do the interwork the interworkings on yourself before you enter our lives so you know what i'm saying get to get to know you then come get, listen get to know the lord get to know yourself then get to know me like in that order for me personally but i i don't want a project either like yeah. and it's not to say that everybody is like like i'm perfect I don't want nobody perfect either, but I want you to be willing to do the work yourself instead of me doing work to help fulfill who you are supposed to be. Yeah. 
I, I think we're in agreement here. I think we're saying a lot of the same stuff. I think we the point agree. the point I was trying <laughs> the point I was trying to make more or less was that um, we a lot of times what I think I'm not saying all women, but I think some women they think about and I, I'm trying to find a better word for it, but like the exterior stuff or the like the things that the buzzword stuff like yeah the, he has a good job he has a his own apartment like. And I and some of that stuff, yes, is is monetary and and stuff like that. But I'm saying like on the like the way they present themselves. I'm saying like they mm-hmm. may be like um, they may present themselves as you know a strong, smart, intelligent man who's mm-hmm. about his business stuff like that. And that's not all money, but it's just like his appearance. Like he does what he does. He has a good job. He works hard. He's smart. Like all these things like that. Right. But what I mean is a lot of times those are the easy things to value right off the rip and be like, oh, like that's what I want in a man. And a lot of times the expectation is like, I think when it comes to masculinity is like, or, you know, the value of a man, I should say, sorry, the value mm-hmm. of a man. We, that's the first thing that's the, like their resume. That's like the cover letter. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's but, good. But I think what happens is a lot of women see the cover letter and they already dive in. Right. Mm-hmm. And you you actually don't look at the resume, and then when you find the resume while you're already entangled, <laughs> then you realize, oh, you speaking okay, good. you speaking they, good. They, they have some work to do. So what I'm trying to say is like, I think where we had to figure out, and I don't know the best way. I think maybe that's through you know dating. I think that's drawing boundaries when you date as well. So like, if you're getting to know somebody, and like, yes, like what attracts you know, a woman to a man is like these things, like, yes, if they yeah. have a good job, like, of course, like, you know, you don't know that person, right? You technically, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you do through friends or whatever, but like, right. you may not know that person. So the only thing you can go off of is the cover letter. Like, yeah. all right, I see this, that, and the third. So I'm going to find out what that person's about, mm-hmm. but also like, make sure you value, like, let's say they're, they don't have the greatest cover letter, right? Like, let's say, you know, they have a good job, but mm-hmm. it's not a, a cute job or a, a beautiful job. Like it's not right. no Wall Street job, but maybe he works in a, you know, uh, a garage, like a car garage. He fixes cars or something like that, but he makes good money. He takes care of himself, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not glamorous. It doesn't necessarily look like I'm a okay with greatest, <laughs> it's not the greatest cover letter appearance thing, but he does what he has to do. But maybe his resume is stacked out and mm-hmm. it's above all the rest. So that's all I'm saying is like, when we think of a value of a man, we might not, you know, we see a certain a part of that man, but we don't always see all the man. So I wish that women, like, if they may have lacked in certain areas where it's, you know, it looks good, but mm-hmm. they have the core, the core of them is a good person, it's a good man, mm-hmm. then make sure you value that man and don't necessarily dismiss him because they don't check off the imaginary boxes that you see in these movies nowadays yeah listen like all the tyler perry films <laughs> <laughs> like, they just gotta have bad hair see they, he's still missing something you know what i'm saying no got bad wig bad I wig think, i think that like with maturity women get that like of course in your, if you in your like 20s and things like that you might look at mm-hmm. things that way but like you what like when you were explaining the guy that doesn't have the most glamorous job you said something that stood out which was that he does what he has to do and mm-hmm. that by definition is how I always talk about my daddy. My daddy, no matter what, did what he had to do. And the whole value of a man thing, like I asked him sometimes, like, what did you want to be when you, you know, when you got older? He's like, I never thought about it because once I had a wife and kids, I knew I had to take care of them. 
And it's like, so the value, I feel like the value of his life is making sure everybody around him is good. And I just don't know when we became that. And is that, does it make it right? Does it make it wrong? I I don't know. It's just, it is what it is. But I I personally would feel, I don't know. I I would feel a, I would feel a type of way because I already feel a type of way that my dad has done that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want him to maybe sacrifice something that maybe he wanted to do to to make sure that I was able to do something. Like it makes me feel bad that I was even blind to it. You know what I'm saying? So like with my husband, I would hope that like his life isn't just like, if I don't want him to adopt that kind of thinking, but at the same time, it's like, but do I not want him to, because I want somebody that's going to be supportive. Like my daddy was, you get what I'm saying? Like it's such a, a catch 22, because I and then also like my my friends like y'all are my guy friends are all really good guys and y'all are the type that are gonna do what you have to do and that to me is just what a man does is like what he has to do so I don't know it's just an interesting like conversation to have about the value of what a man's life you know really means I don't know it's just interesting I just you know wanted to ask you your thoughts on that yeah. Um, I think yeah. just one more, one more thing on that. I think yeah. for your dad, I don't, you got, I don't think he looks at it as he, you know, you know, you like you prevented him from following his dreams or like what he wanted to do. I think when you get into situations, it's like, it's one or two things, right? So mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know all the details, but from what you said on past episodes, you know, how your parents met. It's kind of like he he fell in love, right? And yeah. a lot of times, you know, and then obviously I ended up having you and your sister. So it's like these things, you know, he wanted to do this because th- this was made. This was what made him happy. Like, yeah, yep. your your dreams. Just because you may have had a dream, you know, twenty years ago, or however long ago, doesn't mean that that's changed, or right. it doesn't mean that it can't change. And I think sometimes you'll have like parents, you know, a lot of people, and I know people who had kids young or, you know, had plant kids or sorry, or had kids unplanned. Mm-hmm. And those situations, you know, they may have not, you know, saw this in their immediate future or whatever, but right. when it happened, now their dreams and aspirations change because they have a kid. And it's not because, oh, they, like, yes, part of it's responsibility and all that stuff, but mm-hmm you you wanted to believe that they wanted to do these things so yeah. it's not like a oh like dang i can't do this now because of this it's like no nah, i have a kid like i'm hype like right my dream is that my kid is able to do all the things that they put out to and they they want to do in their life so Same. it's like the your parents dreams become or sorry your dreams become your parents dreams so whatever you want to do your dad probably finds more satisfaction in you being able to do this and be successful in your own right. And being able to do that, that's probably bringing him more joy than his actual dream before could ever. So yeah, it's just like, that, Oh, go ahead. No, the last thing I was just going to say tie into that is that um, I think you mentioned something about like, kind of like a catch 22. And I think when, when it comes to having a partner, like do you want somebody to be able to, you know, want you to pursue your dreams and all that stuff, not put mm-hmm. their own. But I think it's, it's a, you got to be in a relationship where it's, you got to have a real conversation. Like I know people like you ever seen those movies where 
the person moves across the country because that person got a better job and they wanted to be with them and they were willing to change their life because they knew that they couldn't, you know, see their life without that person, whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be. So I think it's kind of like the same way around. Like if you meet the love of your life, the the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, you're going to be willing to make some adjustments. And I think it should be vice versa. So like if you were in a relationship with somebody and let's say Nikki was like, look, I'm blowing up on YouTube, pretty Nikki, subscribe tribe. <laughs> like they go and hammer. Like I got all these gigs out on the West Coast now. I'm gonna just move out there. And let's say they got a job, and you know maybe they see your vision, they see like what you're doing, and ultimately like they might be able to figure it out when they go over there. But because right. you bring them such happiness and you're living your dream, that that's kind of part of their dream too. It's like damn, like I want to be successful, but. I enjoy seeing my girl successful too. So mm-hmm. I, I guess when it comes to that, I think, you know, it, they always could change. Things could always could change. You meet the right person. You right. might be willing to change your whole life. <laughs> no, seriously. That's, that's real. That is so real. Like, cause I can honestly say again, I don't, I don't have a man. So like my reference is always to my daddy, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like every, every basketball game, he was there every, he's just a, he's a, he has like a, a, a very supportive heart. You know what I'm saying? Like he is the ultimate like cheerleader for the people that he loves. And like you said, I don't think he looks at it like a sacrifice. I just think it's embedded in who he is as a man. It was like this, like before he had my mom, he was the responsible sibling of, you know, him and his siblings. So he helped out his dad a lot. Then when he got my mom, like he supported her in the ways that he did. Then when he had us, like he supports us. And even with my nephew, like he's at every baseball game the same way he was at every one of my basketball games. And it's just like, it's just in him to be that way, which I just think it's just dope. Like I know there's certain gifts and things that God gives us that we just have in us. But I, I like when you can see others like just walking in their gifts in that way and not like shying away from it or, or you know, looking at it like it's a, a sacrifice. Because if you ask him, you know, what makes you happy or what do you if you say, like, what do you want for Christmas? I want everybody around me to be happy. And he means it like genuinely means it. He's like, I want all y'all to be good. I want y'all. You know what I'm saying? What you want for your birthday for everybody else to have a good time? Like he's very selfless in that. And I don't know, like, I, I know this podcast is going to be like, girl, if you don't quit talking about your daddy, but if, you know what I'm saying, your daddy was his bomb, <laughs> you would understand where I'm coming from. Like, so also, I mean, into th- this can kind of transition into my next question, because my daddy is so bomb, that makes for a very uh, big pair of shoes for my man to feel, because mm-hmm. Chuck has has laid a really good foundation of me knowing who I am, knowing whose I am, knowing what I will and will not accept. And I've become a pretty independent person, I must say. Like it didn't it happened by default. I didn't used to be this way, but I am now. Mm-hmm. Um are you and your manhood challenged by independent women? And the reason I ask that is because I've I've had a conversation with both women and men that will make a statement that will say, well, don't be too independent that, that, that you don't need nobody because men like to be needed and this and this and that. And I'm just like, but am I just supposed to sit on like a bump on a log until a man comes along to, to change me or to help me? Uh, 
no, like my daddy and my, my both my parents, they raised me to be pretty independent. So because in this generation, a lot of toxic ma- masculinity has taken place, men are challenged when somebody doesn't need them. Mm-hmm. So as far as you personally, I want you to speak on you personally and then men as a whole, why you think they are challenged by independent women and what is your take on independent women? I think for, I'll speak on men <laughs> in general. I think the reason why men are challenged by uh, independent women is that a lot of men, you know, we were talking about projects. A lot of men uh, uh, have deficits in certain areas of their person. So mm-hmm. there's some men, like you have the man that he has a lot of money, he has a good job. So he throws money at everything, right? Mm-hmm. And once he enc- encounters a woman that doesn't need his money, what is he, right? So yep. I think what happens to a lot of men is they define themselves by what they're able to give, right? Or what they're able to do. Yep. So like you ask a man, like, like who are you as a person? Yep. And a lot of them will say their job or they will say, you know, how much money they have or like, you know, things of that nature. Like, you know, it's you don't always hear people talking about, like who am I? I'm a good person. I'm a right. you know lighthearted dude, or you know this that, and third. Like they don't speak to necessarily what's at the root or the heart of them. They speak about the the cover sheet or the cover letter that we spoke about earlier. Yep. So I think <laughs> I think all things considered, I think what a lot of men what happens with a lot of men is when that one thing they define themselves by that independent woman already has or doesn't need, they lose their identity. And a lot yeah. of times it's like, who am I without this money? Who am I mm-hmm. without this job? And that's where I think that's where a lot of conflict comes with men. It's like, all right, like, dang, like in in some cases, right, that will get them whatever woman they wanted, right? But yeah. because it's you and because of whatever the situation is and you have your own money or whatever the, the attribute is, they now they don't know how to react. They don't know. They just take it as, uh, I don't know, like it's it's a detriment to them. Like they, mm-hmm. they're almost threatened by the fact that you're able to provide and do your own because now they feel useless. Right. Yeah. So what, what am I going to be able to add to our relationship or our interaction or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. for me personally, I think when it comes to dealing with a independent woman or, you know, dating or whatever the case is, Personally, I prefer it because of my life and how I choose to live it. <laughs> I think I don't. I wouldn't want somebody that's you know. Yes, like I think any person you're with, you want to be able to be added value to. Like Absolutely. I think as people, you have to be whole first before you go into any situation. Come so, on, somebody, come on. <laughs> so I think for me. I wouldn't want to be with somebody that is not whole or that has, you know, that part that they're not secure about themselves because that's going to affect everything else. And it's going to manifest itself in any other parts of the relationship, whether it's like, you know, whether they need like attention or love and stuff like that. Like I want somebody that's able to fulfill their, their own self in that. Yeah. They want, they want me to do these things. They want, you know, me to give them love or whatever the, the case is, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need it. And I think you just have to deal with somebody that has the same confidence as you do. Whereas right. you need somebody that that is good either either way, but they're better when they with you, right? Come on. I, 
I think that's I'm the. I'm a woman by myself, but I'm a force <laughs> when we're together. No. Uh, yeah, but the microphone. I think... the microphone. <laughs> it has to be a tie-in like that. So I just think, as long as you have the confidence and you're able to be your own person and be whole, that an independent woman shouldn't threaten you because you're comfortable, she's comfortable, but y'all know when y'all together, it's the next level. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how it should be. Okay. All right. Well, all things considered, mm-hmm. we want to thank everybody for tuning in for this episode. Yeah. It got it got a little deep, you know how we like to do here. <laughs> but uh be sure to check us out. Uh next week we'll have another episode lined up. Um thanks again for listening. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe to our podcast. We're on all different channels. Um, and also follow us on Instagram at Changing Phases Podcast. And also be sure to tune in to the live when we talk about this on Instagram. I have a feeling that this conversation is going to get really good on the live. I just have a feeling. Bring bring the menses out. Bring bring your homeboys. Tell all your homeboys. I need all the brothers. I need Johnny. I need Odell. I need Marquise. I need Rob. I need all y'all on, on this other live because I want to hear what y'all got to say. For sure. For sure. Well, take care, guys, and we'll hear from y'all soon. Definitely continue to support. We appreciate y'all. Yes. Love y'all. Peace out. (laughs) Just want to give a quick shout out to the Brotherhood. Thank you guys so much. Um, Nikki and I were so grateful to be a part of your Zoom and uh, get a chance to talk to uh, young brothers and sisters like Tommy and Sean. Thank you for hosting us. Nikki, do you have a few words? Yeah, I was just going to say shout out to Tommy and Ashan. And and let me just say, if y'all have not looked up the Whitney Houston song, please go ahead and do so. (laughs) But we really did enjoy ourselves on there. It was really, really fun talking to you guys. So thank you for the opportunity. And we won't be strangers.